May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Today, the lectionary is doing another little taste of a book uh, from the Hebrew Bible uh, with the Gospel of Ruth. And then this is really... um, This is really all we get of Ruth, which is a real shame because it's a great story. So today, I'm both going to encourage you to read the book of Ruth, which is only 80 verses, so I really believe that you can do it. If you heard me say, please read Job, and you were like, no, Reverend Tori, I won't be doing that. Don't worry, Ruth is so short, and it's a a love story. It's not like, it's great. It's really fun to read. I really commend it to you. But for the purposes of today, I would like to tell you the story of Ruth and Naomi, because Ruth and Naomi are living examples of the answer that Jesus gives to the scribe's question. Uh, They love their neighbor. They love each other, and uh, the, the loving kindness, the chesed that they have for one another and that they show forth in the story and, uh, what they receive from some other people who we'll get to is what enables them to experience a new life uh, in the wake of all of this loss and grief that they've experienced. So, the book of Ruth. We don't know exactly when it was written. Uh, It was probably written kind of later, um, maybe during the exile or when people were coming back into the land, when there was all of this uh, energy about whether foreign women were allowed in Israel, which uh, is, as ever, timely. And this book is a story about a Moabite woman, Ruth, who, even though she was not born Jewish, lives her life in such a way um, that no one would hesitate to call her a righteous person. So, Naomi, the story begins with Naomi, and it really ends with Naomi. So, I, I wish the book had been called Ruth and Naomi, because Naomi is just as important. It's okay. We're going to give Naomi her time. Naomi is a woman who is Jewish. Um, she is from Judah, and she is uh, one, a member of one of the, the 12 tribes of Israel. And she and her husband are living in Judah, where they are from, Bethlehem. But then there's a famine in the land, and they leave and go to Moab, where there is food. Um, and they live there for, with their sons, and they live there for about 10 years before the famine happens in Moab, and everything is also terrible in Moab. And we don't know of what, but uh, Naomi's husband and both of her sons die, leaving her and her two daughters-in-law widowed. And her daughters-in-law also do not have children. So these are the very definition of the most vulnerable people in the ancient Near East. Like if you don't have a family to take care of you and you're a woman, like you are host. This is, very, this is a very precarious situation in which they find themselves, which is why Naomi encourages Ruth and Orpah, her daughters-in-law, to go back to their mother's houses and try to marry again, because that was the way that they would guarantee that they would be provided for and be safe. Orpah doesn't want to go, but she is ultimately convinced by Naomi's arguments. But Ruth is not convinced. She is like, no, Naomi, you're my family, and we're, I'm not leaving. And uh, she, she expresses this devotion to Naomi in this, in this verse that we heard today, which is, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people are, will be my people, your God, 
my God, and where you die, I will die. Um, not even death can, can separate us. And Naomi hearing this is like, okay, fine. Um, and so they together journey back to Bethlehem. When they get there, um, they are still impoverished and widowed and uh, still not having much more luck. And Ruth has the added extra component of being a Moabite woman, which means she has even less status in Israel than Naomi does. And the book tells us that Naomi is full of grief and bitterness. Like she has decided that God has turned against her. Everything is terrible. She has very little hope for the future. And Ruth's response to that, I would like to say, um, one of my folks from the 8.30 morning prayer service described Ruth's response as the anti-toxic positivity, which I thought was really great. And it's really the opposite, if you recall me preaching about Job. It's the opposite of Job's friends. Ruth does not say, you have done something to, des- to deserve this. We have done something to deserve this. God is punishing us. Ruth does not say, it's not that bad. Ruth does not say, you'll feel better. Ruth doesn't say anything. What Ruth says is, okay, I'm going to go glean these fields so that we can eat food. Ruth is like, no, you're not getting rid of me so easily. I am here for you, and I will take care of us because I can do that right now, which is a really great way of showing chesed. Like, she's not trying to fix it. She knows that their situation is bad. She knows that their grief is not going to disappear just because she says so, and so she does what she needs to do. The practice of gleaning would be um, after the har- when the harvest time is happening, there's this sort of provision in the law for the poor to go through the fields and like pick up whatever grain is like fallen so that nothing is wasted. And then also if you're a landless, impoverished person, you don't starve. So she picks a field basically at random um, to go to. And it turns out that this is the field of this man named Boaz, who is, it turns out, also um, a member of the same tribe as Naomi and is a relative of hers and that one of the you know one of these fields actually is the field that used to belong to Naomi's husband Elimech and he had mortgaged it um, in order to finance them like leaving Um, and so Naomi finds this out later and and hatches a plan but before that Ruth is going about her business and Boaz is like who are you like what's happening who's what who's this person and she explains like oh I'm Ruth, I'm from Moab, Naomi's my mother-in-law, and Boaz is like, oh, Naomi, wow, your loyalty to her is really commendable. Like, that's amazing. Um, and Ruth is like, yeah, it's no big deal. It's just what I'm, it's what I'm doing. It's the right thing to do. Um, so Boaz, because Ruth, he admires Ruth's character, he ensures that his um, hands, his, like, hired hands do not sexually harass her, which I would hope, I would wish that he would do that for everyone, but it's good that it doesn't happen to Ruth. Um, the implication here is that they feel free to take advantage of foreign women, right? Um, so he ensures that that doesn't happen to Ruth. And then he also makes sure she gets extra grain, which she doesn't necessarily realize. Um, so he responds to her loving kindness, her chesed, by showing her some in return. So then Ruth takes all this extra grain and goes back to Naomi. And Naomi's like, this is a lot of grain from just gleaning. And Ruth is like, oh, you'll never believe whose field this was. And Naomi hatches a plan. She's like, okay, if you can get Boaz to redeem this field, to like buy it back from whoever we mortgaged it to, then he would have it. It would still be in our, in our family. And then he, would, he could also marry you and you'd be provided for. 
Um, and Ruth is like, okay, that's a weird thing, but I believe you. It's, this is like a really co- kind of complex um, Israelite law thing that the book is working with, but Ruth basically trusts Naomi that this is the right thing to do. So Naomi is like, you go to Boaz at night and you uncover his feet and you lay at his feet and then you tell him what I told you and he will know what to do. And Ruth, even though she probably has no idea what's going on, trusts Naomi, knows that she has their best interest at heart and is like, okay, I'll do whatever you say. So she goes at night, um, partly because she doesn't want to be seen with Boaz uh, during the day because it would like affect her reputation um, and his. So she goes at night and she finds him on the threshing floor of like the barn where he's sleeping during the harvest. And she uncovers his feet with his cloak, uh, his cloak off his feet, and she lays down. And Boaz, I assume, feels a draft and is like, why is there a woman at my feet? What is happening? And he's, he's like, what's going on? And Ruth says, this is your servant, Ruth. And then she explains, like, I'm your kinswoman. You need to do this thing. Boaz is like, you're great. I would be happy to marry you. However, there's a closer male relative who should technically do this job for me. And Ruth is like, okay. So they stay, at, they stay in the threshing, in the, on the threshing floor all night. The book, it's sort of ambiguous what happens here. I think a lot of people would like to protect Ruth's virtue and insist that nothing whatsoever happened. Um, I'll leave that to you to decide. You should read it and see what you think. I don't know. I don't know anything about that, but it's okay. Um, It's fine. So in any case, they they stay in the threshing floor all night. Ruth creeps away, taking more grain to feed herself and Naomi with, and Boaz goes to the male relative who's not even named. And he's like, hey, I have this field. You need to buy it. Like, you need to redeem it. Um, and the relative who's literally named so-and-so in, in Hebrew is like, I, sure, I'll redeem it. And then Boaz shares, oh, well, there's this woman. You need to marry her. And the so-and-so is like, no, no, no. I don't want to jeopardize my inheritance by marrying this woman. And then Boaz is like, okay, that's fine. What you need to do is relinquish your claim on this, and then I get to marry her and redeem the field. And this relative is like, okay, here's my sandal, which is his way of agreeing. I don't know. I've, I'm serious. That says, it says in the book, like, at this time, that was a way. Like, the, the author is explaining, like, this a- antiquated practice. It's really funny. So then Boaz goes back to Ruth and Naomi and is like, I've done it. And he redeems the field. He marries Ruth. And they have a son whose name is Obed. And they give him to Naomi to nurse. And Obed turns out to be the grandfather of King David. So it's very interesting. This is the happy ending of the story. So it's, it's like, okay, then Obed had, had Jesse, and Jesse had David, and David is great. The end. It's interesting in this story because there's not that many characters, and the main dynamic is between these two women, which is really rare in the Bible. I think the book of Ruth might be the only book of the entire Bible that passes the Bechtel test. Like these women have conversations with each other about their lives and their own relationship. They do talk about Boaz, but they don't just talk about Boaz. And it never says, unlike at the end of Job, where if you remember, the book is like, Job is like, oh, I'm sorry, God, I shouldn't have questioned you, and then God fixes everything for him. The book of Ruth never says that. 
yeah, things get better. The, the schemes and plans of these women and the good character of this man like, do, in fact, end up paying off, and they do end up getting to start again. But the author of the book of Ruth never says that Naomi's heart was no longer broken, that her grief was healed, that everything was fine. And this is why I wanted to preach on this story. Because I think that Naomi, really this, a lot of this story does take place with Naomi. And it's about the space between grief and joy. Like there is joy at the end, but most of this, most of this story takes place in that middle place which is where I would argue many of us are now. You know, Naomi is an, an incredible sort of biblical companion for us in the way, it, where we are right now, which is, yeah, some things are better, some things aren't. We don't know how it's gonna work out. A lot of the things that are difficult have not really changed for us and there's circumstances outside of our control. And we are hopeful that someday new beautiful things will happen and that we will kind of pass through this time and be able to look back on it and say, oh, wow, we survived that. But for now, we're, we're in it. And we're, we're in it, we're in it together. The scholarship around the Book of Ruth describes it as a story of hesed, a story of loving kindness, of the faithful and committed and self-sacrificing love that we are all called to have for God and for our neighbor. And so what I would invite as we reflect on this story and maybe if you read it this week, think about how if the scribe asked Ruth the same question that he asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Ruth maybe wouldn't have known what to say, um, perfectly quoting the Torah, like Jesus. But she knew how to answer by what she said to Naomi. Entreat me not to leave you and to, or to not follow you anymore. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Where you die, I will die. Where you are buried, I'll be buried. Your people will be my people and my God, your God. She is saying with her, with her words and then with her actions, my love for this person, who is my family, is the most important commandment of all. I have a lot of fondness for this verse because it was read at my wedding. I don't know how many, I think it's read at a lot of weddings. Maybe it was read at some of your weddings. It's particularly favored for same-sex weddings because this is an example in the Bible of the love of, the two, of two people who have the same gender. And the way that you can build a family. You know, Ruth and Naomi don't, don't have what would be seen as a traditional family anymore. But they don't let that stop them. And so my hope is that we can look about ourselves and we can think, first, if the scribe asked us that question, what is the greatest commandment? What, what, like I asked the kids, what would we say? Would we give the same answer as Jesus? And if we do give that same answer, what are the fundamental things? Like, what does that loving kindness really look like for us? 
you know, is it the same as Ruth? Living where someone lives and staying with them? And who are the people and what are the relationships in your life that, that show you that loving kindness? Because that is what is going to get us through this and any other situation that we find ourselves in. And that is what church is for. So perhaps this week we can, we can practice gratitude for those relationships that we already have. And we can also be curious about where else we might be called. Like Boaz was able to see the potential of Ruth and Naomi and choose to show them the kindness that they needed. And it enriched his life greatly. So I, I trust that we might prayerfully consider doing the same. Amen.